What's up, 9 o'clock? Hey, guys, I'm Jesse Scott. I'm on the security team here at The Experience. Um, I just want to start off with saying how thankful I am for this place, for this community, and really for every one of you that's here right now. Uh, thank you for giving up a little bit of your time to be here in such a busy season. I know that can be inconvenient for some. Um, but, man, every time I walk in these doors, every time I choose to come and praise him, listen to his word, gather together with other believers, I'm just really refreshed and reminded of how good God is. Now, I know some of you are right on the same page with me. Y'all are also probably the ones that are really loving this season right now. You're going to run out to your cars after this, the ones that have reindeer antlers on them. You're going to head home to your fridge full of eggnog and watch Christmas Story for like 72 hours straight. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm glad you're enjoying the season and celebrating. Um, but I also know there's some of you, probably some of you here today, um, that this is a difficult season, um, and it's painful sometimes. Um, for those of you there, I just want you to know you're not alone. Um, my family and I, we've been there. Uh, I know about two years ago in December, early December, uh, we experienced one of the most painful seasons of our lives in losing my, uh, my wife's younger brother, 15 years old. Um, so just, just know you're not alone. Know there's people that have been there. And what I learned in that season is um, if you will find a way to just thank him, thank him for the fact that you have breath in your lungs, thank him for the fact that you have the freedom to be here, um, and really to just choose to trust in him even when you don't understand, and to rely and to look forward to that hope, the hope that he has for you right now in the middle of the mess, and the hope that he has for your future. I just know he can do something awesome with that. Um, so it's that hope that I'm here to talk with you about right now. Um, I'm going to read for you out of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Um, you can follow along if you'd like. I think all of the scriptures are going to be in your bulletin. Um, and it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So that first line in that scripture, the people walking in darkness, leading up to these verses, Isaiah goes into detail about how the people of God had strayed, about how reliance on themselves, on false gods, on material things, on political alliances, uh, have been their misplaced um, source of security in their lives. This had led to all kinds of selfishness, injustice, and really just chaos um, in their world. In reality, it kind of looks like our culture sometimes. Um, but even through all of this, God did not leave his people. And he does not leave us without hope. The light that dawned is the child that was born for us. The child that was born for us is the one that we celebrate this time of year. Jesus Christ, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our eternal father, and our prince of peace. He supplies for our needs. 
he teaches us joy. He removes the burdens from, from us that would really crush us without his help. Um, he ends our constant battling uh, as he teaches us to follow him and learn contentment. He loves us so much and teaches us how to love those around us. So why do so many of us experience these seasons of darkness? When these difficult times come, when that taskmaster, that yoke, that oppressor, the burdens of life that loom large over us, if we don't recognize in those moments that there's an almighty God and an eternal hope that shines far, far above all those things, it's easy to keep our heads down and be consumed by the shadows. But praise God, we get to choose where we position ourselves. We get to choose what we place between us and God. So we can choose our pride, we can choose our self-reliance, we can choose disobedience, and we can remain in the shadows. Or we can listen and obey, we can humbly submit to the source of life and light himself. We can hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and look forward to an eternity we have to spend in the light of his presence. One more reason for being so sure about this hope is that last line that says, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. That zeal is the passionate commitment of the Lord God himself to his people and to his promises. It'll never fail. When everything around us seems like it's crumbling, when everything seems unstable, the author of Hebrews says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. He loves us so much, and we just have to hang on to that hope. So for those of you that are really enjoying this season and are experiencing the joy and the anticipation and the celebration of it, it's my prayer for you that in the midst of all the busyness, in the midst of all the distractions, that you just take a step back and focus on that hope that Jesus has given us and share it with somebody around you that needs to hear about it. For those of you going through the, um, the dark season right now, you have brothers and sisters around you, and it's my prayer for you that you would hang on to the anchor, hang on to the hope, weather the storm, and look forward to the blessings that God has for you beyond it. And for those of you that are like, I don't know what this guy's talking about right now, um, don't leave till you ask some questions. Ask God to continue revealing himself to you um, because, man, that hope is so beautiful, having something to look forward to, the hope for right now, the hope for the future. It's my prayer that you would have that in your life. So come ask some questions of some pastors here. Luckily, you got some other awesome people that are going to come up here and talk to you about Jesus, um, and hopefully you know, you'll understand more and more of that as it goes along. So I love you guys. I thank you for listening, and I pray that you guys have an awesome and Merry Christmas. Good morning, everybody. Hi, my name is Shatikwa Jamerson, and I serve in the hospitality team, and I serve on the prayer ministry here. Um, and I have been given the candle of love. So when Kyle first asked me to talk about love, I was in the whole like, ooh, Jesus, what do I say? <laughs> um, there's a whole lot to say, or I could keep this really low. I don't know what to say. Um, and if you've ever had to or petition God for an answer, or trying to understand what God wants you to go with something. You know, initially, this is just my, uh, with what I feel like has been my experience, you get nothing for a while, <laughs> get a lot of silence. Um, but then God gives you what you need when you need it. And so a few days went by, and then one Sunday in service a few weeks ago, this is not normal, but 
memories just started to flood my brain while we were in worship. And they weren't normal memories. They were like memories of love. So I knew this was, I was like, okay, God, I see where you're going. Okay, I know where we're supposed to go. And it was crazy because I started seeing things I haven't seen in years. So the first memory that I saw was, um, was of my grandmother. So I grew up in a, a church kid. So I grew up in church and went to a lot of church services. And one of the services that they used to have like during the holidays was called a testimony service. And so if you've ever been in a traditional church, typically what happens is it's like open mic and people can walk up to the mic and they can sing a song to Jesus or they can tell stories or something that has happened that how God has blessed them. And so I was maybe 10 or 11 and my grandmother looked at me and she was like, you need to go up there and tell people about the goodness of Jesus. I was like, no, ma'am, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> and she kept going, you need to just go up there and say, thank you, Jesus. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm too young for this. And it was crazy because I was like, that's crazy that you even remember this. The second memory or one of the memories that I had was of my mother. And I'm not quite sure if this is something that you parents do. I, I don't have children yet, but maybe you just have this thing internally but when I was a child, a small child, I would get really sick. And I wouldn't actually call for her in my sleep. I would be in my bed asleep. But for some reason, she would just know to come in there. And she would just sit by my bed. Or she would give me medicine, or bring me food, just because she just thought I needed it. And I was like, well, that's really cool. I, don't, I didn't ask for this, but thank you. And then I had another memory. And this memory was of my grandfather. And this was like my junior or senior year in high school. And by that point, he had gotten really, really sick and he was really frail. And it was time for my formal. I was in a high school sorority and so we had formal and we had to get all dressed up and get a date and escort and all the, you know, all the fancy stuff. And we were getting ready to do our processional out to be introduced to the, to the crowd. And I looked up and in the back row was my grandfather. And he was sitting with his legs crossed and his little button down shirt. And he didn't say a word, but he looked at me and he smiled. And then my last memory that I'll share um, was a recent memory um, that actually I remembered during worship a few, last week. And we have been having uh, prayer and worship meetings on Wednesdays. And one of, the, one of our new friends that we literally just met randomly has been coming and just singing and playing and just, just being present and just being around and helping when he could. We were just talking one day um, during worship and he was like, and we were saying, you know, you're such a blessing, like such a blessing to us. I'm so glad you're here. And he was like, you have no idea, like you think that that I'm blessing you all, but you're blessing me. He's like, I have no family that are believers, and I have no family here, so you are my family. And I say that because my scripture actually comes from Philippians 2, and I'll read it for you pretty quickly. Um, it says, if then there is, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal, 
Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Make your own attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider himself equal with God as something to be used for his own advantage. By assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men, and when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So as I thought about those, those scriptures, and then as I remembered those memories, I was like, okay, God, I guess you're trying to show me the characteristics of love. And as I thought about my grandmother and her trying to push me to testify, I also realized that she cared not just about me here, she cared about my soul. She cared enough to, to, to want me to know who God was and to be able to tell other people about who he is. As I thought about my parents, they would, they would move heaven and earth for me. They would put their own interests to the side to make sure that I was okay. And then as I think about our newfound friend and I think about, um, excuse me, and I think about my grandfather, I realized that presence is important. It's important to show up for people. It's important to be there. Even when you don't feel like it, it's important to be there for people. And so I know like we hear like, like people want to be on the stage and they want to be, all of us make an impact through love. And it's not about the, the people with the big names and the big, they're not the big people making all the impact, it's us making these small moves. Because things like taking care of your child or being with somebody when they're lonely, talking to them when they're upset, that's showing love. And if God is love and he called us to be like him, then we should be showing love. We should exemplify love. And so I encourage you as we go through the holiday season that um, as you encounter people, that you are open to hear and open to see and open to show love and allow that love to push them and to show them Christ. Because that's ultimately what we're here for, is to show people the love of Christ. Thank you. Now, the best part is some of you are going to try this this holiday season, right? You're going to be like, hey, I know how to resolve this conflict. So, you know, tell us all about it and everything. It'll be great. So, uh, well, my name is Ishmael Pruitt. I am the college and young adult pastor of the Experience Community, and I'm so thankful to be here. Uh, my wife and I, we've been uh, here for about six months, and so it's been an incredible time. And uh, so this morning, I want to talk to you about joy. Now, I love joy. I think joy is awesome. Um, I like to consider myself a joyful person. Um, at times, and so I think it's really important that during this holiday season and every day that we experience joy. So we're going to start um, by reading in Matthew. So Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18. This is how the birth of Christ came about. 
his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to the public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save um, his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home as wife. But he did not have union with her until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. Now, hopefully during this holiday season, we are, um, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus and remembering um, and celebrating his birth. This story we portray is this really nice, fun story, right? We portray it with our children, and it's really fun and loving and everything. Like that. And it is all of those things. But it also has some dark moments and some challenging situations. You see, you have a virgin, a virgin female who now is pregnant, I wonder what horrible things were said about her and to her during that time. Think if somebody came to you today and said, I'm pregnant, but I'm a virgin. What would you think? What would you say? But then you have a man who now has this story to tell people about his wife. And legally and socially, he can divorce her and everything would be fine. But now he has a a choice to make. Do I trust my wife? And the Lord, or do I follow what the world and its standards are? It's a hard story. A lot of decisions have to be made in this story. And and, um, in Luke 2.10, the angel of the Lord says it this way. But the angel said to them, to the shepherds, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you great news, good news of great joy for all the people. This story that's hard and good and everything is great news. It's great joy. Great joy. Biblical joy has an incredible component to it. It withstands all outward influences. You see, sometimes we like to base our life on happiness, which happiness kind of falls to whatever's going on in our situation, but not joy. Joy is so much more. Paul lists joy as one of the fruits of the Spirit. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2 says this, whom for the joy set before him endured the cross, scoring at shame. That Christ, as he's going to the cross, that joy is one of the things that propels him to that cross on our behalf. James starts his letter saying this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That is, Christ is going to the cross. James says, hey, you're going to face trials, but it's okay. Consider that joy that even the most challenging times in our lives, we should have joy. Nehemiah says it this way, Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Um, Shatigua read it in Philippians where Paul says, make my, when he's talking to other people, he says, hey, make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And then the writer of the psalmist says this in 66.1, Shout for joy 
to God, all the earth. Uh, my beautiful wife and I have three kids. My wife, Amber, we have three kids. We have Stella, who is our firstborn middle child. And then we have Maria and Gabriel, who are adopted, international adoption. And when we started the process of adoption, it was hard. It was, uh, and, and a lot of people, you hear adoption, they're like, oh, that's so wonderful that you adopted. Is it great? And you're like, yeah, but it's hard. Like, it's hard work. It's difficult at times. It was hard thinking about how we were going to afford it. It was not cheap. It was hard thinking about, is this right? Like, are we going to ruin our already child that we have, right? Are we going to ruin them, ruin her? It was hard thinking about, is, is this a situation that's better for our kids that we're bringing into our household? And would their life be better if they didn't live for us, with us? It was hard um, just going through the process, thinking, can we even do this? Can we even accomplish this? But in the midst of all the questions and the challenges and hardships, there was great and beautiful joy. There's joy when we read their files for the first time and saw all the challenges they were going to bring into our household. There was joy the first time we saw them on video and they were both in trouble the whole time, right? They just couldn't even sit straight and even know. There was joy the first time when we saw them, we got to the orphanage and they ran and hugged us. Well, actually, Maria hugged Stella. She didn't care about us. She ran right to Stella like, Stella! Um, so we weren't existing at that point in time. But there was joy in that moment, right? There was joy the first night, the very first night we had them, and it was chaos. We're in an apartment, and it is crazy, and my wife and I at some point in time in the night and said, what have we done? Like, what have we done? This is terrible. What have we done? There's joy when we landed uh, back in the States. We had a whole group of people welcoming us home. There's joy when they smile at us. There's joy when they hug us. There is joy when they don't listen. There's joy when they say hateful things to us. There is joy when Gabriel says, no, 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 over and over again. And that just drives me crazy, right? Go do this, no. Go do this, no. Go do this, no. There's joy in that. There's joy when they play together. There's joy when they can't stand each other. There's joy watching Gabriel's personality come out. There's joy watching Maria succeed. There's joy in watching Stella enjoying having siblings. There's joy every moment, every morning and every moment we realize that this is the way the Lord has chosen to bless us. I leave you with this thought. May you not define your existence by the level of the constant happiness. But as a believer... May joy be your permanent possession. Thank you so much. Probably be helpful. <laughs> I'm loud, but not that loud. <laughs> my name is Karen Kramer, and um, I serve on the elder team and my favorite, Echo Worship. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the kids this morning. It was so fun. Um, I am going to talk to you about peace this morning, and um, last night on the way to church, my daughter and I were laughing about how I was going to introduce that, and she was telling me what she thought I should do, and I said, well, that's funny because that's what I'm going to say, um, but it's, I think it's ironic that I would be given peace because I, if, for those of you that know me, I have five children, very close in age, and, um, and so peace is not a typical way that I would describe my life in my home. 
Um, but um, anyway, so when I started thinking about peace um, and what that means, I, um, I looked it up first in the dictionary. And um, Webster's Dictionary defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet, as freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. And also peace can be described as harmony in personal relations. And when I think about peace that's defined by the world, I think about how hard that is to attain that without Christ. And for centuries before Christ, people sought out shalom, wholeness, completeness, peace. And they sought that out to no avail. For centuries after their miraculous coming of Christ, people still seek out shalom, wholeness, completeness, peace. But there is a difference. Over 2,000 years ago, the awaited king was gifted to humanity in the most unexpected way to a virgin mother in the very lowliest of places. And this birth, this gift of a son, the most holy God in human form, allowed all of creation, all of us, to be reconciled to the Father. Through Scripture, we know that Jesus Christ was born man. He was accused, and he was crucified, an absolutely horrific death, and then he was raised to life, all so that we could take part in the shalom, the wholeness, the completeness, that peace that is Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. John 16, tells us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Jesus tells us himself that only in him can we attain peace. But isn't that part of this beautiful mystery of this God that we serve? The fullness or the completeness of his peace is only attainable, not on our own, but through Jesus Christ. And I think that's the beauty and the gift of the mystery of this birth of this Savior who was literally probably born in the dirt to this scared mom, very young. Um, and I think about Mary looking into the face of her baby and knowing that one day, or not knowing at that moment, but knowing what she, what she held in her hands, but one day would see him brutally and horrifically nailed to a cross for us. And we can't forget that part of the story. And when you are faced with all the stuff that this life brings, our only way to find peace is through Jesus Christ. He invites us into that completeness, that completeness that cannot be attained on our own. I love this scripture. Um, if you will just really hear these words from the prophet Isaiah that he says of Jesus, he says, but he was pierced, for, uh, pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. It's hard to reject that. Peace can be hard to feel when we are walking through difficult circumstances, but this is the difference between the peace that the world seeks and the peace that we have through Jesus Christ. John records Jesus' promise to us in John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. 
Many of you know that, um, that every January we do a church-wide fast, and um, as long as we've been coming, our, our family has participated in that, even our young children, and um, it's a really special time for us every year. Um, usually it's, I think we always begin it in January, but about two years ago during the fast, I knew that the Lord was revealing to me um, three relationships in my life that really needed to be reconciled. And um, there had been a disconnection between me and the Lord. I'm sure some of you have felt that before. Um, you know, we can, we can sometimes feel so close to him, like he is, he is literally, we, we literally can feel him. And then other times he does feel very distant. But I have learned while walking with Christ since I was 19, I'm 43 now. So that's a lot of years um, to walk with him. And I've learned that when there is a disconnection like that, it's always me. Um, God is unchanging, and it's, it, that disconnection is always something on my end. So I, I really began to pray about that. And when he revealed it to me, I was scared to do um, what I knew he was oppressing upon my heart. I knew that my attempts at forgiveness and reconciliation could result in me being called a liar and disregarded, and ultimately my biggest fear of being rejected. I decided that obedience was truly my only option. So I wrote one letter and I made two really important phone calls. They were very, very difficult. The, definitely the most difficult phone calls that I've ever made. Um, they, they carried decades of pain. Thankfully, they were also the most restorative uh, phone calls that I've ever had. And I had prayed and decided before pursuing reconciliation that I was obeying and honoring God no matter what, regardless of the outcome. I desired to be at peace with the Lord, and that was really all that mattered. Romans 12:18 says, if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. And what's incredible is that I saw, as I sought out peace with others, um, doing what I knew God was telling me to do, it brought peace between me and him. I was able to experience that fullness, that shalom, that wholeness, the completeness that I had actually never experienced before, even after walking with him for so many years. Over the last couple of years, I really have experienced God in a different way. Um, what it has taught me is the importance of confession and just, just how important that relationship is between us and our Father. So over the next few days, as we celebrate and worship and remember this holy God, the birth of our Savior, if you have not entered into a relationship with Him, I urge you to consider, talk to someone today. Um, if you feel, feel something don't ignore it. Um, that is the Holy Spirit. That is the Lord calling you. If you have questions, there's people that can answer those questions. This is the best place you could be in. Um, and if you are a follower of Christ and you have been walking with him and maybe you're not feeling that peace that everybody else is talking about or singing about right now, the chances are is that it's probably you. Um, <clears throat> I encourage you when we take communion today that you really use that time to, to spend with him, to commune with this holy God that came down for us. 
and confess to him um, and, and celebrate his birth and his death and what that means for us. Thank you, guys. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Um, everyone did a really good job with their parts and their candles, I think. Uh, yeah, that's worth clapping for. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I was praying a lot. I always read the same passage from Luke chapter 2, which is probably the most famous passage that, that people read this time of year. And um, everyone that's come up before me has done such a wonderful job of articulating a lot of the things that I felt like God wanted me to also kind of hit on. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, um, chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and I'm only going to read to 19. I'm not going to read verse 20, but I'll read the rest of that. And then I'm going to show you two things that uh, I feel like God kind of showed me that I, I never really picked up on before. I mean, I guess I kind of picked up on it, but never really thought about how big of a deal two different passages are in this, okay? And so let me read it, and let me go back and, um, and kind of touch on those just for a minute, and then we'll close out the service with uh, Kyle will sing a song, but we'll do communion, we'll have prayer, we'll invite people to come up and ask questions if they would like, but um, let me read a little bit. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. That's actually, he went south, but typography, he went up. Fun fact. He's a dork. It's okay. I'm, I'm used to it. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. When the angels had left them, they returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all of these things in her heart and meditating on them. Now, when Jesus was born and when Luke wrote this some years after Jesus died, the Roman Empire was in power, and at that time, virtually the entire world looked to Rome for peace. They didn't just look to Rome for peace, they looked to Rome for 
all the things that we talked about today. They thought the government of Rome, they thought the culture of Rome, the arts of Rome, the entertainment of Rome, they thought that Rome would give them hope and love and joy and peace. They actually had a phrase called the Pax Romana. Some of your Bibles, if you have one of the fancy Bibles with all the commentary in there, it may, may actually say about verse 14, it may bring up the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana was a phrase that the, the Roman government used, and it simply meant the universal peace and sovereignty of the Roman Empire. That's what everyone looked towards, right? That was going on when Jesus was born, and it was going on when Luke wrote this about Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this Pax Romana or this claim that a government or a culture or an entertainment or an art that can give us this fulfillment and all these things we talked about today, it comes up short. The Roman Empire fell, it, it, it crumbled in about the fifth century, and even in this time when Luke wrote this and when Jesus was born, there was no peace on earth. They were constantly at war, there was all kinds of divisions, there was all these things going on, and so this peace and this tranquility and sovereignty that the world offered, it didn't work. And what is ironic, though, is people have never changed. I say this all the time if you come to this church. We still do the same things. We look for our government to give us peace, and that's never worked, right? We don't have peace amongst our own government, let alone all the governments of the world. We look towards our culture. We look towards materialism. We look towards entertainment. We look to all these things to find these things that are going to fulfill us, and they continually and perpetually come up short. They don't give us peace or hope or joy or love, but we continue to look for them. Our problem is, is that we continue to look towards creations when we fail to look at the creator. That's the problem. So the first thing that popped out at me was verse 14. And verse 14 is a direct rebuttal to what people would say about the culture of the world at that time. There's a popular phrase, glory to Rome, right? To the Roman Empire, that it received all the glory. And it would talk about peace, the Pax Romana, right? That all peace and tranquility is due to the Roman Empire, but it didn't work. And so verse 14 says, no, 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 glory goes to God. Not the government or cultural or materialism or entertainment, glory goes to God. And peace also comes from God. It says that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And Karen Kramer did a magnificent job of articulating what real peace looks like. You go on a little bit further though, and it's interesting, Mary had it figured out, right? This teenage girl that just like uh, Ishmael had said, we, we talk about this as kind of a cute, cuddly story, and it probably was not when you were in the middle of it, right? It was probably terrifying and, and quite horrific to be in the middle of that story. But as she held her little baby and she understood that this child was God in the flesh, she understood the destiny of that child and the magnitude of this little baby. And look, look what she says. Look what it says about her. It says, but Mary was treasuring up these things in her heart and she was meditating on them. She understood that all glory goes to God, that all peace and joy and love and hope come from God, so she meditated on that. She thought about it. She took the time to realize what was close to her in that moment, right? And that's what we need to do today. We need to not give the glory to anything of this world because this world has not done anything worthy of glory. That's not because there's bad things that are that everyone is evil in the world, but all glory has to go to God. We keep looking for the things of this world, what we have, you know, what we don't have, what we think we want, 
We look to celebrities and politicians and we look to economics and we look at all these things and we continue to find that peace and hope and love and joy are elusive for us. But Mary had it figured out. If we would meditate on Jesus Christ, those things come because he's the Prince of Peace. He brings these things for us. So here's my hope for us. And, and maybe it's because I'm in my 40s or I have a mustache now or because my kids are growing up too fast. But I find myself becoming increasingly soft. <laughs> and so this whole month I've been thinking, God, I, I, I hope that our church sings all the goofy songs. I hope that we laugh with our friends and our family. I hope that we eat too much food and eat too much sweets. And I hope all the Christmas cliches, I, I love those and I hope that you have all those. But what I've been praying, what I've been thinking, what I've been trying to meditate on is just Jesus. That this is all about Jesus. That that little baby boy that was born in a manger grew up to be a 33-year-old man that died on a cross because he loves me. That he shed that blood and all the evil that you and I have done can be washed away because this little baby boy was more than just a baby boy. The Bible says it was God with us, Emmanuel. So my prayer for you this year is that we can get back to the fundamentals of our faith. That we can get back to the simplicity of the gospel. That God sent his only son to come and to be an example for us, to die for us, to rise from the dead for us, to fill us with his spirit so one day we can be welcomed into his kingdom and be with him forever. It's so simple, but we get so distracted and we get so caught off guard and our eyes and our attention goes to so many other things and we look for our hope in the wrong things. We try to find peace and joy and love in the wrong things and they become increasingly elusive because we've missed Jesus Christ. I just hope that we get back to the fundamentals, back to his promises and not the empty promises that this world gives us. If you're new in this room, not new to the church, I'm talking about maybe new to the faith. If you have questions, here in a couple of minutes, one of our pastors, Pastor Mike, he's walking up right now. Please don't feel uncomfortable or embarrassed. We do this every single weekend at this church. So if you have any questions, Pastor Mike would love to talk with you. If maybe like Karen said, you do feel something, right? Maybe you were suckered into coming by your mom or something this week, but maybe God's actually speaking, <laughs> conviction right now, yeah. But maybe some of you actually feel, man, I need, to, I, need to, I need to respond to this. Pastor Mike's right up here on my right, your left. He would love to talk with you. He can answer any question you may have. And if it's a big, big deal, maybe he can schedule a time to meet with you. We also have brothers and sisters that'll be up here at the front, other believers, to pray with you. Listen, not trying to get sappy or, or play on your emotions, but I know that this time of year is not easy for all of us. It is a lot of joy for some of us, and for some of us it's extremely difficult because some of us don't have close relationships with our family. I have my mother who's probably watching right now, but beyond my mother, I don't really have a close relationship with anyone in my family. So some of you in this room may feel lonely during this time of year, but listen, I wanna tell you, the reason why God has given us the church is whether we have family by blood or not, we have family under him. 
And under Jesus Christ, even the most diametrically opposed kinds of people come together and we find unity. If you need prayer for anything this morning, please. There'll be men and women on both sides of the stage. And then the last thing is communion, all the way around this room where you see a lamp on a table. I, I, I implore you, and, and, and I, I don't wanna beg, but I want to emphatically ask you to consider taking communion and really taking some time to sit and like what Mary did, meditate. Listen, Mary held Jesus Christ in her arms. Listen to me carefully. We have the Holy Spirit in us because of the cross, because of him resurrecting. That's why we take communion. It reminds us that God is not just next to us. God is inside the believer. He couldn't be any closer to us. And that gives us love and it gives us hope, and it gives us peace, and it gives us joy. The Bible says a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make any sense, but it's there. I advise you, I, I recommend, I implore, I emphatically ask you, please take some communion. Ask God to forgive you of your sin and really meditate on what we're talking about today. Church, I love you. I love you so much, and I hope that you have a Merry Christmas, and I hope God blesses you. I hope God blesses your family, and I could not ask to be uh, a part of a greater group of people. You are beautiful, wonderful people, and I wish the best for you, not just during this season, but I hope that 2020 is just a landmark year in your life. So let me pray for you, and then we'll invite you to, to get prayer, ask questions, or take communion, okay? Lord Jesus, God, I love you. Father, I thank you so much for what you've done for all of us, Lord. Thank you for your son. Thank you, God, for his example and his sacrifice for us, Lord. Thank you for your spirit, God, that gives us all the things that we've talked about today. Lord, bless everyone in this room, every man, every woman, every child. Keep your hand on us, Lord, and let us never forget what we're really celebrating this month. God, we love you and we thank you. All the glory goes to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, Father. Amen. You're welcome to help yourself. Merry Christmas, church.